Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great... No. We have an incredible show for you this week. It's our 100th episode, and this one is supersized. The main event is primarily known for his work in the area of Fig Newtons, though he has made a few notable contributions to comedy magic. It's Mac King. We'll talk the move to the Excalibur, comedy magic, and a lot more. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the featured product of the week from Paul V. Hill. Before all that, it's our 100th episode, so it's only fitting we have two superstars on the show. We'll kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians talk about their favorite magic books. And who better to talk about books with on the 100th episode than one of the most celebrated authors in magic? Roberto Joby joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Roberto Joby, thanks so much for joining me here on the De- uh, Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your <laughs> desert island magic book? Well, I, I'm always reminded of, of George Bernard Shaw, who apparently was asked this question, and his answer was, if I had to save, choose just one book from a sinking ship, I would rather go down with the ship. <laughs> well, I know our listeners can't see us right now, but you're in your library just surrounded by books, so I totally understand why you'd rather go down with the ship. Yeah. So the, the, the question of, of the, the favorite, whatever it is, is, is always a, a different question. But let me, let me take this in different chunks, your, your question, which of course bears um, being thought about in different um, different aspects. Uh, first of all, if I really had to take a, a book, it would have to be. That's right. I'm thinking about the Encyclopedia of Card Tricks. <laughs> telling you right away, Hugo's Encyclopedia of Card Tricks, which is a, a wonderful and a terrible book at the same time, because <laughs> I think it's about 400 pages or whatever, and it has hundreds of, uh, maybe nearly a thousand card tricks, most of them described in five or six sentences. <laughs> uh, and of course, that's wonderful. That's one. There are several books like that, you know, uh, that have some great ideas, badly written, or, or, or on purpose written um, briefly, you know. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of, of André Gide, um, Nobel Prize in, in Literature from France. He, he said, in French, Je n'aime que l'inachevé. Je peux encore le compléter. I'm translating this. He said, I only love the unfinished because I can still complete it. Mm. And that's a wonderful thought. And there are several books like that in magic. Uh, other books that come to mind, for instance, the, the Frank Garcia books, the very controversial two books, the mm. Million Dollar Card Tricks and Super Subtle Card Miracles. Some great stuff there, but very briefly described. Mm-hmm. If you really want to, yeah, this, this is, uh, these are the books which I, I didn't, I, I never had the good or bad luck to be stranded on a deserted island, but I've spent several uh, vacations on islands, you know, which were not deserted, fortunately, but still. <laughs> so, and I have this, I mentioned the concept in, in one of my agendas, hidden or secret agenda, I can't remember which one. And I said, the, the book for the holidays and my suggestion is when you go for holidays or a, a week or two, just take one book and only the instrument that goes with it. So mm-hmm. if you, I remember I, uh, I've taken Vernon's Revelations with it, you know, uh, I've taken Expert Car Technique with it, etc. So really, uh, good, and 
just and at that time of course there was no internet which is very good because you you can't go on uh, online you can't you know you really just have that damn book and your instrument and you're going to learn a lot more than if you keep surfing the whole day through the sort of things you know so uh, yeah so that's maybe even a a generic answer which is more useful than giving the the, the, the title of a book and and then of of course uh, i mean uh, another question this taps in is i have now here well you can't see it but mm-hmm. because this is an audio but i'm sitting here in my my studio uh, which has over 3500 magic books in 17 wow. languages plus about uh, well, in my, in my cellar, I have, I think, more than 30 yards, if I put it, uh, of magazines, oh. um, many of which I've read. Not, not all of them I read, but most of them I read. And some read them. If you ask me, I have to choose 10 or 50 or 100, you know, then, then of course, I, yeah, I, I, I would have to. Uh, a, a few I would immediately just 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 take like that, you know, the expert card technique mm-hmm. for for cards or the the bauble for for uh, I mean the, the classics of my generation really. Uh, but the question has another you you are asking Eric is of course is another implication which needs to be um, just mentioned briefly because we we're going to out of our five minutes. It is. It depends whom you are asking that question, because what are you know you say what are your five or ten favorite books? If you've been in magic for only a year or a month, they are going to be different than after ten years or after even after fifty years. Mm. You know that there are of course if somebody comes into magic and you say what are the ten books you would would recommend to this person? I'm not. Many of my colleagues, you know, they start to recommend the classics, the the Sachs sleight of hand mm. and modern magic by by Hoffman. Of course, these are great books. Of course, they have been landmark books. But these are not the books that these young people need to read first. You know, mm. let alone read. You know, because it's already hard to make them read, because the the the, the know how transfer the didactics of it have greatly changed mm-hmm. not just in the past uh, 20 years but in the past five years i would say mm-hmm. you know it's keep, it keeps changing so you have to ask uh, for whom is it the, the the best book or is it there are people who are as, as a hobbyist they are just interested in um in wonderfully concocted uh, card tricks so you could recommend J.K. Hartman, uh, Stuart James, you know, which are clever tricks. Yeah. But most of them are not professional tricks, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas if a professional asks you, you know, th- there was a time you had a lot of professional uh, going away from the stage magic and starting to do close-up because stage magic did no longer offer that much work. Mm-hmm. And I had several professionals come to me and ask, well, <laughs> what card tricks would you recommend? that I do. And of course, the answer would be, or what books would you recommend that I read? The answer would be totally different now because there they have to find, you know, I would rather recommend books like Jim Ryan or or, or Matt Shulian. I mean, really people who did a lot of professional performing. Mm-hmm. These people, although the tricks are maybe not so clever, they're not so original, they are the 
the effects that uh, would reach a lay audience and be memorable. Well, I, I love that you, you gave the, the one quick answer and then completely dissected my question. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining me on Desert Island Magic Books. Thanks to Roberto Joby for joining me on the show. By the way, check out his new book, Sharing Secrets, which is now available at penguinmagic.com. In fact, stick around at the end of the show to find out more about that, and a link to his new book is in the show description. Now, on to the main event. Matt King has been one of the longest continually running magic shows on the Las Vegas Strip. He was at Harris Casino for 20 years before recently finding a new home at the Excalibur. Matt joined me via Zoom to discuss the move to the new venue, how he keeps his act fresh, and how a stage magician profoundly affected his comedy magic act. Full disclosure, I'm a huge Matt King fan and have taken the opportunity to see his shows on every single trip I've ever taken to Las Vegas. So I've I have a tendency to fanboy a bit during our talk and... Well, can you blame me? Now, you get to join our conversation. Matt King, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for our 100th episode. We really appreciate that. 100? Yeah. I would have won a shirt or something. (laughs) Uh, I think the first question I need to ask you is the one that's on everybody's mind right now. Uh, Congratulations on the new show at the Excalibur. Uh, I'm very excited. I've done now, uh, I don't know when this is going to be released, but... Uh, as of uh, today, this morning, mm-hmm. when we're shooting this, um, I have done 16 shows at the Excalibur. And wow. man, the first one was, uh, I was backstage. And I, if you've seen my show, yeah. you know, there's like a little, I have like a two minute warm up act uh, <laughs> where the, where I play If You're Happy and You Know It, yeah. kids song. And so I'm backstage waiting to go on. And when that started, I mean, I hadn't done a show in 16 months yeah. and, uh, I started crying and back there with the producer of the show. And he's like, Hey, look at this. We're working. And I, that song started <laughs> and I started crying and he says, you better stop that before they take me to welcome <laughs> Matt King. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really, the first one was really, really emotional. And I got through it. You know, I mean, I got out on stage without, I, I sort of held in the tears and <laughs> went out and did the show. And uh, the hard part for me was remembering. Right. I mean, I really, uh, oh my God, I, there was so much that I didn't remember. And I mean, I'd gone over it obviously in my head a few times and I've been practicing here in my house and uh, a couple of the tricks that, you know, I felt like, Hey, I should probably <laughs> practice these a couple of times. Uh, and so the, uh, but the transitions were, I could, you know, but anyway, the first show was pretty good and, uh, you know, but not like, and I was very nervous because, you know, if I, if I'd been going back to, uh, uh, my publicist says, I'm not allowed to say the H word, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'd been going back to that other casino, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have been quite as nervous, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, everybody there, I mean, all yeah. the staff and the techs and everything, you know, I don't, they know me and I don't yeah. feel like I have to, you know, justify myself to them but going to a new place and everybody's like who is this new guy and so i really wanted it to be good mm-hmm. right and so i was really nervous uh, plus i just you know i wanted to make sure i remembered the show and, and so the first one was okay i felt like i got through it and uh, my wife and daughter and some other friends were there and uh so it was pretty good coming off stage and ah but then this and the second one was uh probably a little better but uh, hard to say, but by the fourth one, second show, second day, I felt like, Hey, this is like, 
you know, the fully operational Matt King show. Yeah. And, it, and then it, by the end of the week, the, you know, the last show Saturday, second show Saturday, uh, the 10th show was like, Hey, this feels like home. And, you know, here at the new place and it's, uh, the shows seems good. The, you know, the, tech guy I've got is good. Every, you know, we're on the same page through the whole thing. Everybody's got the show down. So it, it, you know, and by now it's like, Hey, this is <laughs> giant sigh of relief. So I'm very happy to be there. Uh, the people have been great. And, uh, I, I'm just so relieved to be doing shows again and feeling like, Hey, I guess, I guess I can still do this. <laughs> Is it, uh, is it the same show that you've been doing for the last 20 years, or is there any new material that people come uh, It's the same crap. <laughs> place. Um, the only addition is uh, prior to me in that room, they had another magician in there. Hmm. Uh, Hans Klock was in there for a little while. Oh, okay. And doing his illusion show and in this same room. And... So there is, uh, in the front edge of the stage, right center stage, uh, way, you know, right at the downstage edge, mm -hmm. um, in the floor, there are lights and a wind machine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. I have in fact incorporated that into the show for a bit, but <laughs> I can't wait to get back to Vegas to see what you're doing with a wind machine that was built yeah, into so a it's, stage. It's very, it's very fun. <laughs> uh, can you comment at all on, on what prompted the move, or was it just uh, just time for a new venue, or had they been seeking you? I mean, because the marketing itself, the king has a new cast. The castle has a new king. Is just, I mean, that's amazing. Uh, that was that was my wife's idea. She's pretty smart, uh, way smarter than me. Um, the um, they. You know, I'd talk to them, uh, the folks at the MGM. I mean, mm -hmm. Excalibur is owned by MGM. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to them, I don't know, a number of years ago, a few years ago when I was uh, reworking on a contract at Harris, you mm -hmm. know, my, my deal was about to expire. and um, But we never came to any agreement. And I ended up going back to Harris. And so I was very happy there. Um, Harris is... Uh, they built a giant new convention center behind Harris. Oh. And so uh, they're repositioning that as kind of a convention hotel, mm -hmm. you know, destination, you know, place for people to sleep who are attending a convention. Yeah. And if, and if that's the case, I mean, if that does, if that is how they're going to market it, and it seems to be. Uh, so I kind of wanted to look around because mm -hmm all those people in the hotel are going to be at the convention during the day. Mm -hmm. If they're, if they're in town for a convention, they're not coming to a magic show in the afternoon. Sounds they're like a convention. Sounds so, like a pretty good move for everyone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, th you know, they were very, I mean, they were very gracious at Harris, uh, Caesars entertainment. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, they, they were, they were very helpful in me letting me out of my deal mm -hmm. that I did have. And so, well, that's uh, that's really great I mean, to hear. Yeah, I mean they're they're like family, and so I mean they 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 were really generous. Uh, and you know, and MGM is a phenomenal organization to move into. So it sounds like everything is really good. But speaking yeah. of that show, you know, you did it for twenty years, and and I did some 
sort of very rough cocktail napkin math, which is, you know, you did 10, sh- you did 10 shows a week and I'm going to guess that you had maybe four weeks a year off from the theater. And so if that's the case, then you would have done at least 9,600 shows in that theater. And I know that I saw 18 of them because I still have the ticket stubs from every one. <laughs> and what, what I'm the most curious about is every time I saw that show, it seemed very fresh and like everything was happening for the first time. And I, and I don't want to give any of the show away to anyone, you know, without, without, you know, your permission on that. But there are moments where like, it seems like mistakes happen. And every time I'm just convinced it's a mistake there, there's moments that, you know, it seems like the lines are occurring into the first time. How the hell did you do 10,000 shows and make it seem like everything was happening for the first time every time? Well, let's just be clear. I mean, I did 10,000 shows at Harris, but I did 10,000 shows prior to Harris too, right? I started at Harris when I was 40, 40 years old. Wow. And uh, so, uh, so I'd already done, you know, I mean, when I, I, I've been really lucky in that I've always had a place to work. I mean, when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, I worked in an amusement park doing three shows a day, seven days a week. And then after that clubs, you know, and that was between, you know, six and 10 shows a week also. And I didn't take that many weeks off. I mean, I really like doing shows. <laughs> and, um, so, uh, it's a quite a compliment that you feel like that it was fresh. I mean, that's really what I'm trying to do. That's one of my main goals, if not the main goal is for people to walk out and go, Hey, I was there the time whatever happened, yeah. right? You know, those, those mistakes that you're talking about that are, you know, and they don't, there's, you know, there's four or five of them mm-hmm. that could happen. They don't all happen. Usually they don't, usually don't all happen in the same show. Uh, Cause there's, there's, I kind of only suggest that they could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not a hundred percent. Yeah. But if you're playing most, the odds with four or five, but I'm playing the ones. odds. So, so, you know, one yeah. or two of them happened. Uh, most shows Mm -hmm. and so uh but but the i really don't want people to feel like i'm walking through the show Mm -hmm. i mean i've seen we've all seen people do that and it's just you know it's it's disheartening to pay for a ticket and Mm -hmm. come away feeling like hey that person you know didn't really seem to care that they were there or that i was there yeah and so um part of it for me is just the effort right i mean i just mm-hmm. try yeah to make it seem fresh right and so um and i think that part of that i hate to say this is like some sort of uh, innate skill that i have i don't know whether everybody can develop that mm-hmm. I, I don't i mean i just don't know um it's like to me it's like you know i can't sing for shit right i can't uh and it's because i i don't think i don't think i could i mean i could learn to be a slightly better singer i think mm-hmm. but i don't think i could learn to be a great singer there's yeah, there's not the it seems like you have a you're talking about like a passion for your act and the material and the, well it's and not the just audience. that i know i think it's genetics too yeah. uh, i think there's something in you right and so i feel like i've been very lucky mm-hmm. that uh, there's something in me that, you know, I can say the same line over and over again. And I don't really know. I mean, the only thing I 
I don't really know how to teach. I don't know how you would teach that to anybody. I think some people, you know, no matter how often they do the show, it sounds like they're reciting. Right. And I'm saying, I'm saying basically the same lines over and over again, but I think the only thing I could say about how to keep it fresh is, is to genuinely be a constant and good listener. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really listening to the audience or the person that's on stage with me or the people that are on stage with me and trying to genuinely respond in that moment uh, throughout the entire show. There's only one time. I mean, it, and yesterday was like a milestone for me. Uh, I've, like I said, I've been doing, I've done 16 shows so far back after 16 months off. I didn't think about 16 and 16, but anyway, um, uh, during the show, there's one moment where I go into a spirit trance. I say I'm hypnotizing myself and I close my eyes yeah. and, and sometimes that's the only time in the show where I kind of get distracted Yeah. every so often when, with my eyes closed, I'll start thinking about what's for dinner or, <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and I'm still saying the lines. I mean, they're ingrained, right? And mm-hmm. I know what I'm going to say, um, but uh, I, but there's this conversation in the back of my head about, and that's the only time that happens with my eyes closed. And and so yesterday it happened for the first time since I've gone back to doing shows. I was thinking about <laughs> uh, something I had to do after the show, and I'm like. Oh, hey, look at that. I'm sort of back. I got to that point. Uh, but I, but uh, to me, it's like, I, there's also, I leave, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not as good at this as David Williamson, for instance, but I really try to leave a lot of room for the people on stage with me um, to do or say things that, and mm-hmm. I can, you know, I know I have this destination I want to get to, but I don't mind a few detours along that path uh toward that destination you know i I know at the end of this trick that card is going to end up inside the cereal box but you know i don't mind a little more secured circuitous route circuitous route uh uh than normal um and i mean i try you know like i said i'm really trying to make an experience for that audience where they leave going i was there the day and and you know, for like, I've, I've done this. <laughs> I've had a kid on stage say, I, you know, I, I'm a magician. And I'll go, oh, really? Can you show us a trick? Mm-hmm. And he says, well, I need a deck of cards. <laughs> Bam, here's a deck of cards. <laughs> well, I need a table. And I mean, it's, you know, I think once you get comfortable, at least for me, once I've, now that I'm comfortable on stage and comfortable with the show, I've done it, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, 20,000 times, literally, mm-hmm. uh, stuff. You just, if something before it pops in your head, almost you do it. Yeah. And so this kid said he needed a table and instantly I was on my hands and knees <laughs> in, in front of the kid, uh, making a table. And he did this card trick on my back and, uh, and the audience was, you know, just, they loved it. I mean, making that kid look great and mm-hmm. and but also kind of putting him on the spot too i mean it was yeah. just a little bit uncomfortable but also just delightful and the kid was great so i don't think i would have done it if i didn't think the kid could 
you know, usually if the kid's ballsy enough to go, you know, I can, I can do a trick, you know, then he's going to get, be able to get through it. So it was, it was fantastic. I mean, did he fool you? Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show was brought to you by CBS from Paul V. Hill. Nick LaCapo joined me via Discord to discuss this powerhouse coin routine. Nick, I think it's no big secret that one of both of our favorite magicians in the world is Paul V. Hill, and one of our favorite tricks that he does is with coins. It's CBS. Yeah, <laughs> this trick's way too good. Yeah, Paul is way too good, and Paul has this knack for taking tricks that... I don't want to call them like magic shop tricks by any means, but he just has like the best presentations and the best handlings for the classic trick shop stuff. And with CBS, that's exactly what you're getting. You're getting, you're getting Paul's handling of the copper silver brass coin set. Yeah. And we should say that Paul actually uses the set a little bit differently than a lot of other people. There's actually a gaffe from the traditional set that is not in this one because Paul looked at the routine and went, this isn't necessary, and it made it, yeah. and it made the routine stronger. What you're getting is a series of transpositions, uh, uh, vanishes. I mean, you have three coins. Yeah, you show them. They move from hand to hand, and then they... Yeah, you're going to get a, a silver, a, a copper, and a, and a Chinese coin, right? So you have three different coins, yep. and you place them in your hand, and you remove the you remove the silver coin, and then you put it in your other hand, and then they change places. Now the Chinese coin and the, bronze, the copper coin is in one hand, and the silver coin is in the other. Then you do it in the spectator's hand, and then all three coins vanish at the end. So... He, all the phases are are there that from like the classic routine, but yeah, like Paul just basically scalped the routine down to to like what is actually necessary. And in fact, I believe uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the original gaff that was designed by um, Presley Guitar mm-hmm. didn't use that extra piece that we were talking about that it doesn't come with uh, that is typically come with in magic shops uh, like trick shops over the last years so you won't even need it yeah. uh, especially when you learn Paul's handling because Paul's handling is just uh, superior than anything else that I've seen done with it when you get this watch the live performances because you will see people's jaws drop they have no idea what's going on they're they're completely flabbergasted and blown away and you can tell that it really affects them because Paul is so good at dialing in on the moments that make this trick good and making them really play big for an audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is amazing routine. Um, and if you know anything about those like gaff coin tricks from the magic shop, first time you ever see them, it crushes you, right? And this is no different. Yeah. Uh, CBS by Paul V. Hill. Check it out. That was CBS by Paul V. Hill, available at PenguinMagic.com. As always, our loyal listeners will receive 25% off when they enter the special discount code TRANSFORM at checkout. That's TRANSFORM, T-R-A-N-S-F-O-R-M, for 25% off this incredible coin miracle. Now, that code is only good until the next episode of this show airs, and it's only good for the version that includes the special coins. Now, back to my conversation with Mac King. Usually, if the kid's ballsy enough to go you know i can i can do a trick you know then he's gonna get be able to get through it so did it was it was fantastic i mean did he fool you uh i didn't i didn't see the trick uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah i think he did like uh like 
maybe some version like of the 21 card trick. Oh. I mean, it was a couple of, it was a couple of piles of cards. Are you, are and you like a little disappointed that he didn't do something from the Matt King school of magic? I was a little disappointed <laughs> that he didn't do something from the Matt King school of magic. Yeah. Uh, just if, if you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never seen the world's greatest magic specials on NBC, you've got to check them out. Cause Mac was the only performer in all five episodes teaching tricks to celebrities. What, what was that like? Uh, it was great. I mean, um, uh, the, you know, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, it's very generous of you to say I was the only performer. I mean, I guess I am a performer and I was on there. I don't count those as performances, although I guess they were. I mean, we worked, yeah. I, I worked on them and, um, you're the only magician to, to it, appear in all five yeah, episodes yeah. of it so, in some capacity. So, yeah. yeah. And so I like that. I mean, I really think, you know, I mean, I, at the time I was on the road, you know, 200. 20 days a year mm-hmm. doing shows. And so and it, that was before the move to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, the people, I would go into, you know, St. Louis, for instance, every, every eight or 10 months. And, you know, the people who came, I mean, there were some people who came every time I came to town, but the people who came most often were people who were like amateur magicians, Mm -hmm. right? And they would come every time, you know, every week I was in town. And uh, so I think the more people who know a few magic tricks, the better off magicians are. And Totally agree. uh, So I got some flack for it, you know, exposing the sacred secrets of magic, but... Um, I was going to ask if you got any sort of pushback. Yeah, on that I got because- some. You know, I mean, uh, I, I, you know, I had a guy call me and just, I mean, for an hour, just chew me out about, you know, who decides who, what tricks are. And well, I decide. <laughs> well, then, well, then you, should, you know, it's it was. But tr- mostly people, mostly people understood that I was, you know, trying to serve the greater good. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. I mean, I. It, it was good for me too, certainly. I mean, I don't, I don't want to deny that. But I, but I, my second goal was to serve magic too. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope, I hope. I mean, I still have people after my show come up to me and say I got interested in magic because of the Matt King School of Magic. I mean, it's very flattering. There were some good tricks on it. I actually, I watched a, a, a super cut on YouTube of all of the tricks that you teach. And one of the ones that stuck out to me was, Oh really? I didn't know that was out there. Oh great. I'll have to look at that. Yeah. If I can, if I can find the link, I'll, I'll shoot it to you. But there was one that I remember I did for years. It was the, uh, where you pour water into a coffee mug and then pour it out and it's ice. And for years we had a mug in our kitchen that had a sponge in the bottom because of the Matt King school of magic. Now I was not very surreptitious because I had to, you know, go to the ice machine and to yeah, I was not Molina. Yeah, no, that's a good trick. I still, you know, if 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 I'm asked to teach a trick, which happens, you know, pretty regularly, that's like my go-to still. It's a great trick. I think that's it's a great trick. Uh, the method, I mean, it's like the perfect trick for that sort of spot, right? Yeah. Because it's, because the trick fools you and then the method you go, oh my God, that's so clever and yeah. silly. I can't believe it actually fooled me. Can't wait to show that to my friends because it doesn't take a lot of preparation. You can, anybody can do it. Um, it's just, it, it is like the perfect trick to teach people who want to learn a trick yeah you know what's interesting about those spots is all of those tricks have 
that sort of quality about them where, you know, they may not be barn burners in the world of magic, right? But at the same time, the methods are interesting enough that you don't immediately leap to that method as a layperson, but once you get shared with the secret, you do sort of go, oh, that's really cool. Like, I wish yeah, that, I, I mean, wish that I had was, thought of that. Well, that's part of the criteria I was using, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted it to be that too. I mean, it's like, you know, you want, it's not just exposing the secrets, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I want the method to be entertaining too, mm-hmm. the ex- explanation of the method. You know, it's not just, it's not just, you know, here's the secret. It's like, Hey, this is an interesting secret and, mm-hmm. or some, something about it besides just the trick was interesting. I mean, those were, that was kind of the criteria. And, you know, so we've talked a bit about you and, you know, I, very frequently when I talk to comedy magicians on this podcast and, and in my uh, capacity here in, in Penguin Magic and interviewing other other magicians, I talk to a lot of comedy magicians, and you're very frequently cited as people's sort of like inspiration or like hero in comedy magic. And I, I'm curious, who is exciting you, and what are, is exciting you in the world of comedy magic these days? Because I imagine that you you do see a fair amount of it, but I, you know. People talk well, about I you. don't see as much as I would hope, actually. Um, well, I don't. I guess you're working I, I don't all the see, time. Well, no, I'm. Well, I'm working too, but mm-hmm. uh, but partly, I think uh, you know, I was really lucky. I mean, I feel like when I was kind of starting doing that in the uh, you know full time, I got a college in '81 and mm-hmm. started doing magic full time out of college. I mean, I was doing it in the summers and a little bit while I was in school too. Um, but I've never had any other real job. And I, I feel like that was kind of the golden age of, you know, stand up comedy magic. I mean, mm-hmm. clubs were just starting. I was really lucky there too. Clubs were just starting outside of LA and New York and Chicago. Right. I was still in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, after I got out of college and I went to school, school in Minnesota and, you know, started doing open mics and some clubs up there. Um, but you know, so clubs were just starting in the Midwest, right. Mm -hmm. And and so I got in kind of on the ground floor of the comedy club boom. And so, and I think corresponding to that, I mean, there was amazing Jonathan who was already out there, you know, Harry Mm -hmm. Anderson, you know, trailblazer, those, those two were kind of the, the bigger guys, Mm -hmm. uh, that everybody, my age, I mean, they're a little older than me and, everybody my age was kind of looking up to those guys. Mm-hmm. And, but my age, you know, um, there were just, you know, David Williamson, uh, he wasn't really doing clubs, but he was coming around at that point. And we're the, about the same age. But I mean, in those clubs, Michael Finney and Paul Kozak mm-hmm. and a guy named Doug Doan, who people wouldn't have heard of, uh, Rich Papura, John Farentino, kind of all those guys, um, uh, Levent, um, mm-hmm. he's a, he's a couple of years younger than me, but I think, but, um, all those guys, you know, sort of started out in the same venues and this, uh, and that was fantastic. And I just, I, so I s- said, I don't see that much anymore because I don't think there are as many, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, uh, the guy I really like watching is uh, Nick Defot. Oh yeah, and um, you know Nick and I've got he lives here in Las Vegas, and he and I've gotten to be good buddies. And 
Uh, he's, you know, he fills, in, what, he fills in for you occasionally, doesn't he? He has filled in for me uh, in the past, and I think will continue to. <laughs> I think, but I, you know, I haven't seen anybody really comparable to that. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it, uh, but they're just, you know, they're just. I, I think the venues aren't uh, there as much, and people who are really, you know, really want to be great comedians and great magicians you know that combo is uh is sort of out of favor i think mm-hmm. it's uh, becoming few and far between yeah i mean and i think part of that is because there's no place to do, you know not as many places to do it well we're we're about out of time although I, I could talk to you all day but now that i've interviewed you i can officially claim the title as being the first podcast to interview the entire cast of the magic show at the western theme park in cumberland falls kentucky and my only question regarding that time in your life is what is it like to share a dressing room with lance burton well uh you know you don't touch his cards because the oil in your hand is different than the oil in his hands. Mm-hmm. That's what he used to tell me. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, uh, I mean, we didn't just share a dressing room. We shared a, uh, we lived in the same, uh, we had like a two bedroom house trailer back behind the little theater where we were. Oh, wow. Uh, so we, it was unbelievable. I mean, we, uh, you know, we would do at least three shows a day, sometimes as many as five or six. Uh, there weren't there wasn't a set set show schedule uh, mm-hmm. our shows were just kind of depending on how many people were in the park and, and so they, we would get a call and say hey you know you guys are on in 30 minutes and we would do another show um so what was the show they, li- what was the show like if you i mean so, if you could uh, do the it the show in 30 was minutes. i mean uh, you know uh, lance would there would be some sort of fanfare uh and Lance, Lance would do his the show open with his like manipulation act, cards and candles and mm-hmm. doves, uh, the thing that won FISM. I mean, it mm-hmm. was, that's where that act was developed. And, and then I would come out and do one trick, I think, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the rope trick that I do in my act now, different method for the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone through like four methods for that over the course of the years, but, um, and then, then we would do a thing together, uh, and then I would do 15 minutes. The show was like 35 minutes. So he would do 10 or 12 minutes at the beginning. I would do a couple of minutes. We'd do a couple of minutes together. I would do like 10 to 12 minutes, and then we would do another thing together uh, to close. Wow. And yeah, so it was, it was uh, really, you know, amazing to so we do those shows and then you know the park closed at like six o'clock so uh we had our nights free and we had access to that theater i mean to call it a theater is very generous it was, uh, <laughs> a big wide open room with a concrete floor and a stage at one end uh but no curtains or anything oh um, wow and and uh, at the opposite end of the room from the stage was a counter where you could order hamburgers and sodas. So, and everybody was seated. It wasn't in theater seating. They were seated around big round tables and they would, you know, usually have their lunch or a snack and watch the show. And uh, so, you know, there was people, you know, kids crying and, 
chairs scraping on the concrete floor and you know and then they would listen to Vivaldi and watch <laughs> to me the greatest magician of my generation while they ate their cheeseburger. Uh, um, so it was fantastic. And we got, you know, and so we would be able to work on our shows afterwards. Right. And so he would, I would do something and he would say, Hey, try this this way. And he would do something. And so we, we, we had a great level of trust for wow. each other's opinions about our acts. And so uh, I think, like I said, he's the greatest magician of my generation. And I believe that's because of my coaching. <laughs> I, I, you know what? That sounds right to me. Uh, I yeah. see, I see, I see lots of Matt King's influence in Lance Burton's act over the years. Well, I mean, there is a lot of influence from Lance Burton in my show. I'll just say that. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know of any other comedy magician who has like body loads and yeah, actually, that's 100% that true. That kind of stuff. And so the methods in my show, I think, you know, I mean, he was very inspiring mm -hmm. uh, for for that. Well, and, I know the last time that I saw your show that, like, everyone knows that Lance was one of the first people to train doves to fly out over the theater and come back. And I know that you've trained your shoe to fly out over the theater and come back. And I'm not sure what the training regimen is for those shoes, but it's very impressive when you see that at <laughs> Matt you. King's show. <laughs> first, you have to teach him English. That's the hard part. <laughs> Well, Matt King, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, and congratulations on the move to the Excalibur, and I look forward to coming out there and seeing you. Uh, yeah, I hope to see everybody at the Excalibur. I'm very excited to be there. Same show scheduled Tuesday through Saturday, 1 and 3, and uh, I'm excited to be working. Thanks, man. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Matt King for joining me on the show, and thanks to you for listening. No, seriously. Thank you for listening. I've been hosting this show for two years, and making it to episode 100 is a big milestone. And the only reason we're able to get to 100 episodes is because you all listen each and every week. Thank you to everyone who supported the show from the beginning, and thank you to every one of the guests who's joined me over the years. I'm going to continue to try and bring you relevant and valuable content and give you as much insight as possible into your favorite magicians. Speaking of your favorite magicians, next week on the show, I'll be talking to one of mine. Roberto Joby has a new book out, and next week we're going to talk about it. The author of Sharing Secrets, Roberto Joby, is my guest. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you argue with people about the final episode of Loki on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to make a letter-perfect cosplay of Alligator Loki and meet me at the end of time. But if becoming a reptilian variant of a trickster god isn't your thing, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. <laughs>